0: Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to Getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand.
1: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host,
0: Daniel Geffen. Hi fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 67 of Can I Pick Your Brain. There was once a boy who grew up in a wealthy home, but tragedy struck and he watched his father lose his business. He was so affected by it that deep down inside, he decided that he would make it his mission in life to help people never experience such a thing. At 15 years old, he started selling appliances, and while he was still in college, he helped run a $12 million company. He then went on to build what is now famously known as the Entrepreneurs' Organization, which is considered to be the global thought leader on entrepreneurship with over over 12,000 members across 50 countries. After his first child was born, he launched Gazelles, an executive education and coaching firm with hundreds of partners in six continents. Vern Harnish is today recognized as one of the world's best thought leaders. He's the author of multiple best-selling books, including Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, which has been translated into nine languages, The Greatest Business Decisions of All Time, which he wrote with the editors of Fortune, and his latest book, Scaling Up, which has won seven major international book awards. He is also a world-class keynote speaker and commands a $50,000 speaking fee. In a world filled with startups, Vern focuses on scale-ups, and when he's not helping companies scale, he spends his time with his wife and four children, plays piano, tennis, and even loves to wow people with his magic, as a card-carrying member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. It is my absolute pleasure and honor to bring to you the man known as The Growth Guy, Vern Harnish. Vern, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
1: Daniel, glad, great to be on the show.
0: Thank you. So we had some technical issues just before, so I'm glad we, we got through that. And uh, now here we are. For now, sure. I love piano and tennis, so we have something in common, although you would probably kick my butt at both of those. So. Uh.
1: <laughs> no, I am rusty at both of them. In fact, I made kind of a focus last year to get back on the piano and this year back playing tennis. In yeah. fact, just finished up playing tennis a couple hours. Nice, nice. Did you win? I did, yeah. We, we, had a, we had a good set of matches.
0: Very cool. So I guess, I mean, there's a lot of things that I kind of want to go through because you have one, one amazing story and, and you're a huge inspiration to a lot of people. Um, so the first, the first question I guess I really have for you, which I think a lot of my listeners would, would want to ask you, is why do most companies fail and only a few succeed?
1: Um, you know, the main thing is, is because The entrepreneur can't let go, Daniel. Uh, They know that they're good at what they do, and all they have to do is get burnt by one bad hire, that first employee that they bring in, and they decide, you know what, I don't want to go there again. 76% of the companies in the United States don't have a single additional employee besides the entrepreneur. And so it's really this process of kind of getting your ego out of the way and finding people who are as good or better than you are at very particular tasks inside the business and having to go from just being the entrepreneur to really uh, a leader and a CEO. And that transition is hard.
0: Mm. So how, how do people make the transition from entrepreneur to, I guess, chief executive of a company? Because I think that's a, that's a big question.
1: Well, that's why I wrote the book. I, back in 92, launched this executive program for EO, mm-hmm. uh, held at the campus of MIT called The Birthing of Giants. And that was the whole idea. How do we bring in uh, these entrepreneurs and give them the leadership and management skills and tools mm. that will be helpful? Because look, I do not none of them went to school uh, to learn how to do this. And I sure didn't learn it in my MBA. Right. And so we created this curriculum specifically for this cohort and that's what became then the book in 2002, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Wow.
0: Uh, and, I, and I've been trying to get, I need to get a, a hold of that book, actually. I live in Israel, so it's a bit harder to get Amazon to ship it over here. But I definitely need to get a hold of, uh, of that book. Um, and you mentioned in your book that it's often success that kills great companies. In other words, companies can scale too quickly and they fail as a result. How can companies scale the right way?
1: Well, the key is you've got to grow the people and the skill base as fast as you're scaling. And that's what happens. You outscale the talent, including yourself inside the organization. And as Andy Grove said, more companies die from indigestion than starvation. (laughs) Uh, But that's a good problem that only a rare few have. Generally, there's deeper problems that are keeping you from being able to get over that million dollar mark which is required to become a member of EO and then the 10 million and ultimately the hundred and billion dollar mark.
0: Mm. And another thing you you also mentioned uh, is you quoted in your book, Bobby Fischer, The Great Chess Champion, saying, winning in this game is all a matter of understanding how to capitalize on the strengths of each piece and timing their moves just right. Now. Right now in 2017, what would you say are the right pieces and how should we be timing our
1: moves? Well, it's a couple of things there. Um, part of that reference was Marcus Buckingham idea that one of the things an entrepreneur's got to do early, Daniel, is, is move from playing checkers to playing chess. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a tendency to hire a lot of people like ourselves. It's part of the problem with, with interview bias. And so you end up with a handful of folks that are all the same. Mm-hmm. When sooner than later, you really ought to be hiring idiot savants, you know, people who are absolutely good at this one thing and maybe have got some real character flaws in other areas. It's it's that idea of pulling together that kind of strange A-team, if any of you remember the old television show, yeah. and uh, of folks who've got deep expertise in very narrow areas. Uh, and then you've got to figure out how to blend them together. On the flip side, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Gross looked at the hundred companies that he has launched and the hundreds that he has invested in. And he looked at, by the way, the same four areas we did. People, strategy, execution, and cash. And clearly all four are critical, but he found a fifth that trumps them all. And Mm -hmm. it's timing. It's market timing. You know, the market, Daniel, can make you look brilliant, Mm -hmm. even if you're dumb, and it can make you look stupid even if you're brilliant. Yeah. Uh, So right now, if you're in fintech What's hot this year is artificial intelligence and anything that's involved with that. In fact, if your company's not thinking about your industry plus AI, you're gonna get replaced by some twenty-two year old in Silicon Valley who is. Mm. And so there are just certain you know, Bill had a Bill Gross had a company that was YouTube. It was just too early and YouTube hit the wave right. And so market timing and demographic trends uh, are as critical as the talent you've got inside the organization.
0: Is it luck or do you, can you get good at timing?
1: Um, no, I think you can get good at timing. You can uh, go out and look at patterns in terms of i remember joe mancuso had a great tool decades ago mm-hmm. where before an industry got hot there was a hot magazine before that then there was a hot newsletter i think the equivalent today is if somebody would do a content analysis of the hottest bloggers you would have a good sense of what's trending that you could jump onto
0: that's interesting right right i mean just basically following the trends seeing what's what's hot before it really blows up and then and then <laughs> You know, plugging into yeah, that. And,
1: and and that's why I, I you know I love Cal Newport. We just hosted him at our last Fortune uh, Scale Up Summit, mm-hmm. and Cal really took on this notion that you need to follow your passion, because the reality is most people that have no clue what their passion is. Instead, what you do is you just start doing things and you discover that you're actually pretty good at something. So, And then if you get good at it, then you start to become passionate about it. There Mm. was no way. I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I was going into the nuclear Navy. There was no way that I knew I had a passion for educating uh, entrepreneurs, uh, let alone that we would build a global company doing this. But, as Ron Ronstadt said, in the corridor principle, you just start heading down the, the corridor and see what doors open up. And what's useful is go down some corridors that are rich uh, and vibrant, and that's where you wanna pay attention to the trends. Mm.
0: You mentioned passion, and actually in your book, you also talk about how in business and in life, the journey, not the destination, is the reward. And there are many people, I think, listening to this that are so focused on reaching their goals that they don't enjoy the day-to-day grind and even the accomplishments. So, you know, what would you advise people listening who are so focused on their goals and then not enjoying the day-to-day building of the, of the business?
1: Well, that's, that was the primary reason I wrote these books. You know, there was a, a, an old saying that I think is still true. An entrepreneur, somebody would rather work 16 hours for themselves than eight hours for someone else. Right. But at some point, that quits becoming a joke. And you're putting in these massive amount of hours and not making any progress, and it can become frustrating. Mm. In many cases, better off if you go out and just get a, get a job, you'd make a lot more money. Right. And so we built some tools like the daily huddle that allow you in 10 minutes to get done what would take an hour and a half of other efforts so that you can dramatically reduce the time it takes for you to be effective. Mm-hmm. And once you can get on that other side of the productivity curve, then you can begin to feel some gains. And then you get excitement. And now you're getting some sleep and enjoying yourself. And that's really what we mean as much about enjoying the ride because it's, it's always tough to scale anything. You know, there's 11,000 startups an hour in wow. the world. We're not, we are not hurting for startups. Mm-hmm. The challenge is scaling up. And uh, if you don't know how to do it with the right tools, it, it can crush you.
0: Mm. And the thing is is that, because well, first of all, can we get more into the daily huddle? Because I think that would help a lot of our listeners practically speaking. What, what is the daily huddle, and, and how can they uh, implement it in their day?
1: Yeah, well you know, anytime you've got two people or more, <laughs> uh, the number one challenge is communication. Ask anyone who's married. And what's critical is that you establish a communication rhythm. Uh, It's kind of like the heartbeat or drumbeat of the organization. And it starts with this 10-minute to 15-minute daily huddle. By the way, there's not a company in Silicon Valley writing code uh, that's not in some kind of a daily huddle. It's at the heart of Mm -hmm. both the agile and scrum methodologies. Mm -hmm. And as effective as they are in that part of the business, they're equally effective every place else and the idea is, is just to take a few minutes um, and in a stand up if you're there together and just quickly go around the room we have three agenda items you know what's up? over the next 24 hours so we mm-hmm. can get kind of a sense of the flow. And I want to hear specific names and and proposal amounts and people that you're going to be calling on so I can pick up the, a good gut feel for what's happening in the business. Then we share what any daily numbers that we've got. We're updating our uh, signups for our CEO boot camp to our summits so I can get a good feel and flow looking at our daily cash balance, mm-hmm. for instance, so I can get a good flow feel for the flow of the business and then the most important agenda item is the last one which is all right where are you stuck what's in your way where's the constraint what's what's the rock in your shoe that's keeping you from being or going to keep you from being effective over the next 24 hours mm-hmm. and what's critical is that you've just verbalize it you know we're a We've been around on a planet for a couple hundred thousand years. We've had the spoken word for half of that time. We've only had the written word for about five thousand, and an Excel spreadsheets for thirty.
0: You know, so <laughs> we're
1: we're much better uh, designed to adapt and survive through telling stories mm-hmm. than we are staring at Excel spreadsheets. And we actually know how the brain works. You know, you can sit around when you've got this really gut-wrenching challenge opportunity that's keeping you awake at night. It's turning your stomach. Mm-hmm. And we can watch the brainwave scans. The more you sit and think about it, um, the more it just tightens up your gut uh, and has you stuck in your amygdala, that fight, fight, flight, or fear mm-hmm. response center of your brain. But the moment, Daniel, you speak it, Um, it's amazing. The amygdala shuts down and your prefrontal lobes light up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) You know, we're a being that needs to talk out our challenges. And that is really the magic of EO. We're all in forums. It's a very confidential group of eight to 10 where you feel safe to verbalize the things that you might not even be able to feel free to share with a spouse or any of your executives. And it's the process of verbalizing it, putting those vibrations out into the world. And they've studied at MIT. We don't quite understand the mechanism. But if we can pick up, you know, faint sounds at the edges of our universe from the Viking uh. uh you know, explorers, Mm -hmm. we can absolutely pick up the vibrations from somebody verbalizing what their challenge is. And so that's the power of the daily huddle. We're going back to storytelling and we're back to hearing one of the most powerful senses that we've got. And I can pick up the patterns and trends of what's happening in my business in a few minutes that I won't in months of reading emails or staring at Excel spreadsheets. So that's that's critical to our our methodology
0: very interesting and going back to what you were saying about scaling up because a lot of entrepreneurs are one-man bands and you said that you know how many was it 70% of, of businesses don't have one employee is that the, yeah, 70, yeah, 76 70, in 70, the United States Seventy six. here's the thing is catch-22 because I remember when I first started my first business and I remember hiring my first employee it was really difficult because a number of reasons I think the biggest problem was was cash flow like I didn't have enough money to hire the first person, but then I couldn't scale the business without hiring the first person. So you're stuck in that catch 22. So for those listening that are one man bands and they want to hire, but they just don't have the cash flow for it. What do they do?
1: Yeah, I know there is the conundrum and why most get stuck. Uh, Part of it is they've got a bad uh, business model. Uh, For instance, I was running my company on a 42% gross margin and got myself in a cash flow bind as I was scaling up. And I had to get serious about saying, look, I'm not going to move this company forward if I don't have at least a 55% gross margin. And that 13 points to the bottom line makes all the difference in whether you can hire that next person Hmm. you need or not uh and and you can start out part time uh, you know usually the first person you hire i did was a bookkeeper somebody just to keep track of that first half million in revenue i generated and it was a neighbor of mine across the street but right. it's important even with that first hire that they pass three tests you know one that they kind of get your culture your environment and her husband was a leading entrepreneur in the community so i knew that claudia got me because she understood and, and lived and worked with her husband number two they shouldn't need managed you know i would just send stuff over to her i didn't need a supervisor uh things just got done and then number three uh do they wow you and and even back then claudia would say hey i don't want to interrupt you burn i know you're busy but hey i'm seeing some interesting things with the numbers i might point out hmm. it's like wow that's something i wouldn't have seen uh, or here's a tax thing you can take advantage of or whatever the case might be. And, and so that first hire uh, is important. And uh, we talk about that in the book about the importance of getting you know, a lot of resumes. My actually very first hire in college I had this kind of clever ad, and I ended up with one hundred and twenty applicants. Whoa. and and the woman I hired took a significant pay cut. She was mm. a top executive assistant at the um, telecom company in the region, and she just wanted to get back on campus. And there was no way I could have scaled up ACE and then what became Y e o without D.
0: That's so interesting. Um, Mark Mark Cuban says he reads three hours a day, and Warren Buffett reads around five hundred pages a day. Don't don't we live in an overwhelmingly abundant information age where people are consuming too much content and not producing enough?
1: Well, I don't think on the leadership side. Uh, you know, leaders are readers, and the biggest battle. And by the way, it's always a chicken and egg. What got you here, Daniel, won't get you there. Mm. That's why we're here talking about scale ups, not startups. Right. Um, but even with the Techstar model that Brad Feld and his partner have pioneered, they have shown entrepreneurs how you can kind of get up that learning curve in three months that might take you you know, a year or two if you do it the old way. Mm-hmm. But none of that negates what becomes your biggest challenge, which is not knowing what you don't know. And that's why it's important, as Mark Cuban says, all I'm doing is looking for one idea that he can apply to one of those 150 companies he either owns or is invested in to make it slightly better and put it ahead of the competition. And Interesting. That, that's why that's an important habit. You know, Mark Zuckerberg's doing the same thing, reading a book every two weeks. Right. And you know he's a busy guy.
0: But people listening to this might say, well, yeah, Mark Cuban, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, they have the time and the luxury to you know, to spend three hours a day or whatever reading books, but I, I don't have any money. I need to make money. I need to pay the rent. Like, should they still be investing their time in, in reading books?
1: Yeah, Mark, you know, I, I've known Mark since he was in his early 20s. He was, uh, he was involved in the early ACE and YEO days. Mm. And Mark started that habit back then. In fact, the way he got his his first business launched, which was helping people install software and computers, Mm -hmm. is he likes the kid. He was the only guy that bothered to read the manual. (laughs) Uh, and, And so, look, you know, read stuff that's relevant. If you're out there trying to make sales, go grab some articles and books and watch some YouTube videos on how to pick up some ideas of how to sell better. Mm. Uh and cause the the thing that'll get you in trouble is thinking that you know it all. And that's yeah. what Mark Cuban said. We we hosted him uh, last year at one of our summits, and one of the attendees asked him the typical, you know, speaker question, Hey, what's the biggest mistake you've made, Mark, and what did <laughs> you learn from it? And he kind of gave the typical answer, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes, that's part of the key to success, and I agreed. But then he he was he thought about it for a moment, he said, but there's a fact pattern. Hmm. In almost every one of those mistakes, he said, I thought I was the smartest person in the room, which is why, you know, if I were to leave your listeners with with one powerful idea. And yep. In fact, my, my wife has just launched uh, an olive oil business into the United States. So she's a one-person band herself right now. Mm-hmm. And that was something that Regis McKenna taught me. When I when I launched Ace, and I'm just a student at Wichita State University, I'd read that, that Steve Jobs had this coach, this marketing coach, Regis McKenna. And Regis was helping Intel and Genentech and a lot of the folks in Silicon Valley. And so I cold-called him. And I had a good elevator pitch, you know, I wanted to build the world's largest entrepreneurship organization, and that got his attention. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you think big, you will attract uh, bigger resources. And he took me on as a client, he still kids with me, I was his only free client he'd ever had. <laughs> but he said, look, I'm gonna teach you what I taught Steve. And that was very wow. simply that whatever you're facing, it's always a who question that you need to ask. Not a what, not a where, not a how. Um, so my wife will ask me a question hey what do you think we ought to you know, sh- how should I write this on the olive oil label and I'm mm-hmm. like go look at a hundred other of the best labels and go talk to the woman that you know that knows everything about the olive oil business mm-hmm. um, and, and what just taught Steve and I did the same thing he took me through it is you take a piece of paper out and you write down the names of the smartest people that you think you know That has probably been where you're about to go. Hmm. Uh, We were picking a new CRM system. You know, something really like mundane, but you've got to do it inside your company. And our tech guys came back for like 24 different options. And if you're doing it on your own, you're going to find just as many. And they're all looking to me for the answer. And I'm like. You know, your goal is to be the stupidest person in the room, not the smartest. Right. And I'm like, all right. I swear I heard Regis screaming in my head, Daniel. It's always a hoop. Get your piece of paper out. Write down who you know that would have, would know more about this. And I thought immediately, I know Jeffrey Moore. And I know uh, Jim Cecil, the nurture marketing guy. and I emailed them my Excel spreadsheets and said guys help me you know you know you know my business we need to upgrade our CRM system which one of these 24 should we choose and I lucked out both of them independently emailed me back and suggested the same one and we had the decision made in three minutes that was going to take us you know probably three more months of evaluation and so Uh, that's what's critical is whatever you're trying to figure out, go find people that are smarter. Read their book, watch their YouTube video, their TED Talk, and see if you can, or give them a call, and glean, you know, suck their brain stripe, which is what, you know, you do here on this show. Uh, And then from there, make your decisions and put your marketing and sales plans together and, and, and drive the business.
0: Cool, so I'm guessing that you're gonna be on the list of many of my listeners, so what's the best way for them to get in touch with you,
1: Um, You know, I encourage people just go to scalingup.com, and I've got a, a weekly Thursday, what I call weekly insights mm-hmm. that's complimentary, and in there I put all kinds of resources that entrepreneurs find uh, super helpful and figuring out sales and marketing and operations and finance and all this other stuff that you've got to do to scale up. And so that's what I encourage. Go to scalingup.com, a lot of free stuff you can download, free chapters, and then sign up for my weekly insights. And that'll put you in my universe.
0: Amazing, Vern, I know that you're short on time because we had technical difficulties and you've got uh, other arrangements. Um, Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day